This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi guys, no, 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 no. Yes, I did that. And you would do it too for a check. What is this? A face? What is this? A boop? Oh my God. Facebook. I did Welcome to Don't Let This Flop, a podcast about internet culture brought to you by Rolling Stone. Where two smart people talk about the dumbest shit that happened online this week. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm EJ Dixon. Let's talk about Leah Michelle's TikTok. I think that's a good place to start. She's posted two and I think they're both good. The first one is a video of her like singing Dromp, which is how I refer to Don't Rain on My Parade in concert, right? Well, it's stitched to a creator who did this viral video that was like Leah Michelle performing to Orient My Parade. It's like a very specific style of video that's really popular on TikTok and sort of like pop TikTok where they pretend to do all the things that pop stars do on stage, like the very dramatic kind of like pauses and like arm raises. She recreated it in her Stitch video, which I thought was very funny. Don't tell me not to live, just sit and putter. Life's candy and the sun's a ball of butter. And the second one she did, the one that probably got the most attention, was she finally commented on the rumors much discussed on this podcast that she is illiterate. Yes. And on the very first video she had posted, the one we just talked about, all the comments on it were like, how will Leah Michelle ever read the comments? Who's going to tell her what we're saying about her? So she didn't have much of a choice. Like, it would have been weird if she had waited longer than one video to make any reference to it, because that's the entirety of the comments. So in the video, which has more than 10 million views, the caption is calling Jonathan so he can read the comments on my first TikTok. Jonathan being her bestie, Jonathan Groff. Do you think that this was her idea? No, I think she has paid someone a lot of money to manage her social media. And I think she is very smart for doing that. Crisis PR, baby. Yeah, I think that she has a TikTok editor who is on call to make content for her. And I do not think that she had any idea of what either of these trends were until two minutes before she was told to do them. Yeah, if I ever get in trouble, I want to hire the person who does Leah Michelle's TikTok. Absolutely, a thousand percent. Whoever it is, I'm assuming it's a woman. I don't think a man would be as good at this. It's probably a gay theater boy. <laughs> it's definitely like some NYU twink they picked out of Tish. You're like, do you know how to make TikToks? And he was like, yeah. It's either an NYU twink or like a deeply mean Parsons female NYU twink best friend. Probably, yeah. It's in that neighborhood. It's definitely someone who is below 14th Street in a dorm is churning out TikTok ideas for Leah Michelle right this second. <laughs> I feel like they're also probably hot. They seem hot. Probably. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it seems like a, like a hot, p- young, poor person's profession. Absolutely. A thousand percent. But this is how she should have handled the illiteracy rumors all along. I mean, last week I, or the week before, we talked about the New York Times profile where she has the temerity, has the utter gall to say that people were making fun of me for not being able to read because they're sexist. This is, she should have just hired this NYU twink (laughs) just from the beginning. (laughs) She did what she did, but we're here now. And at least we have these videos. (laughs) So from Leah Michelle to leg lengthening. (laughs) Yes, that was a very seamless transition to make. We've been doing this for 52 weeks. So we've been doing this for exactly a year. Mazel tov to us. And I have not gotten any better at that. In fact, I think I've gotten worse. It's hard. It's hard. It's really hard. I it's haven't really even hard. attempted. So at least one of us <laughs> is trying. <laughs> <laughs> so last week, GQ published a pretty internet breaking feature on the world of leg lengthening surgery, specifically the ones performed in Las Vegas at Limplast X Institute by Dr. Kevin Debbie Parchard. If you've never heard of leg lengthening, it's actually really hard to say that, leg lengthening surgery before, then good. It's extremely dangerous. I don't think anyone should have it recommended to them. The surgery is received by what seems to be primarily men who want to be a few inches taller than their normal height. 
In order to revoke the shark king status, these men essentially get their femurs broken, then titanium nails inserted that extend one millimeter per day until the bones heal and they are now a new height. That sounds incredibly painful and awful. You basically have to wait several months to recover from this when you do it which is awful. This type of surgery is, again, extremely dangerous and seems to have more cons than pros, including having a deeply disproportionate body when naked and also a lifetime of apparently lying to your best friends and family about why you're suddenly not the same height you've been your entire adult life, because that's what all the men in the story do. It just take a moment. I want to look up what men look like naked after this. It's in the story. There's pictures. There's like x-rays of what and basically it creates like your it's only lengthens your legs, right? So now your legs are an extra few inches. But of course, that's not your natural height. So your torso is still short. And then suddenly you just have really, really long legs like a cartoon character. These are such cute guys. This is so unfortunate. This is so unfortunate. These are like really cute guys. They don't need to be doing this. It sucks. And they this look This really weird. sucks. It was a fascinating story, but it did leave out a bunch. Yeah, I really like the story. But of course, like you mentioned, there's a few key details left out. And the story puts a lot of focus on the fact that it's an extremely expensive surgery that a lot of really rich and sometimes powerful men and a few women, especially in tech, are opting into. But the biggest thing that they left out is that the surgery has become extremely popular with incels and men's rights activists. It's like an extremely big part of incel culture right now and has been for several years. There was a story that was published by Jezebel a few years back that took a really personal angle on the surgery's connection to disenfranchised and deeply unwell angry men online. You read the story, right, EJ? Yeah. Yes, it's really, really, it's really sad. It's a really heartbreaking story. Basically, writer Prachi Gupta detailed her brother's red pilling through online forums that sort of nourished this growing hatred of women that he had, specifically for outspoken feminists like his sister that he was once very close to. And in the process, he ends up kind of feeling like he's sort of unattractive because of his height and needs to change it much like a lot of incels do. And he ends up deciding to alter his height, choosing a surgeon in Italy and subsequently dying from a blood clot in his legs that shot up to his heart, leading to a pulmonary embolism. And it's super heartbreaking, but also it's one of, that's one of the biggest risks with the surgery is that it can create blood clots because you are breaking both your femurs and inserting titanium nails that slowly grow until the bones heal. So incels have become, of course, really obsessed with their physical features and altering them, obviously, to start looking like a more physically appealing, quote unquote, Chad, which is still like the most insane, like why that name that incels have chosen to attach themselves to. I never really understood. And the female equivalent is Stacy. Is it? Like what? Yeah. The Chads end up with Stacy's. It's like very much like it feels like they're living in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. They just have not evolved since that movie came out. Yeah. I feel like that's such like a 80s, 90s, like name choices for a lot of 21-year-old incel men online. Who are supposedly very adept at technology. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. Like choose like hotter names. That's whatever. Anyway, so they end up getting a lot of surgery to sort of like get their jaws more like widened and chiseled, their faces more chiseled. That's become very popular. And again, the limb lengthening surgery is a really, really big part of this culture. And I feel like it just kind of relates to a lot of, we've talked about this before in the podcast, like discourse around height in sort of dating memes and online kind of culture around that, about this like obsession. It's definitely a thing. Like, I don't, I don't want to diminish like how these guys feel because- because I think it comes from a real genuine place of like society does marginalize shorter men. Like undoubtedly that is true. And there are women who will put like 5'11 or above like on their profiles. Like it's not just a meme, like it's a real thing. At the same time, I do feel like, I mean, I feel like as I get older, I appreciate a short king more. I don't know if you feel the same way. We love a short king. This is a short king positive podcast. Definitely. I'll see like a really hot five, six guy on the street and I'll be like, you're really hot and you're bless you, short king. I don't know if I would have felt that way in my early 20s. And I think the culture is somewhat slowly moving in that direction. I mean, I feel like the obsession is men need to be bigger to be more masculine and women must be smaller. But of course, it's also, again, like men being bigger in like the height sense and women smaller in the weight size sense. But you know, of course, that's all fed into this like extremely toxic kind of way of looking at how men are supposed to present and what size they're supposed to be and kind of feeds into the angrier men online who blame women for not having enough sex and then put titanium nails in their legs. Straight people. Welcome to Straight People, where we discuss the exciting twists and turns in heterosexual culture. Last week, 
during our discussion of the queen, we talked about the speculation that she would be reincarnated in the form of Trisha Paytas's baby. And I realized, oh, we didn't really explain who Trisha Paytas was. Although, honestly, if you're listening to this podcast, I'd be shocked if you didn't have at least a passing familiarity. She is a highly controversial YouTuber and content creator. She has done things like come out as trans and then later make weird comments backtracking on it. She uses the she they pronouns currently, by the way. And she made a video of herself doing the King Tut dance from SNL and was like begging to be canceled for it. That one was actually pretty funny. Like she's more, honestly, in my opinion, like she's more funny than not. Like she's a troll, but a fairly harmless one to me. Yeah, I find she says some of the worst things a person could say, but I find most of that pretty hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) More often than not. I realize there are other people that feel very strongly about her and think that she should be wiped off the face of the earth, which we'll talk about. But I think there are lots of other influencers who I think are much more harmful than she is. She announced she was pregnant earlier this year. It was a much wanted pregnancy. She had dealt with a lot of like reproductive health issues. She said she couldn't conceive, quote unquote, naturally. And then she announced she was pregnant and she was clearly so excited for it. And we've been following her pregnancy with bated breath. And around the time the queen was said to be ailing, she tweeted that she was a centimeter dilated. I am currently literally learning firsthand that this doesn't actually mean that much in terms of when you'll go into labor. Like you can walk around a centimeter dilated for quite. That's crazy. A week. I know, right? Isn't that nuts? <laughs> so insane. The body is. For context, I don't know if we'll keep this, but whatever, it's fine. I was a centimeter dilated on Thursday. And I was like, oh, does that mean that I'm like going to go into labor? And she was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but 10 centimeters is when you actually go into labor. But people didn't know that. And because it's not like common knowledge and they interpreted that as as if it was imminent. So when the queen died, there were like all these memes circulating that she'd been reincarnated in the form of Trisha's baby, which prompted Trisha to do a post being like, hey, sorry, I haven't gone into labor yet. She actually apologized to the royal family, which I thought was really funny. (laughs) I mean, she actually seemed to be pretty upset about it, which I guess I understand because it took attention. You know, it's her first baby. She's anxious and she had to reach out to a lot of people in her life, apparently, to be like, hey, sorry, I didn't give birth yet. I don't want to disrespect the royal family or, you know, anybody in England or anything like that. Like, I just, I, you know, people my whole life have think that I like just make a career disrespecting people. And this was like the last thing, but also like tied in with my baby and my first baby and my first delivery. I was like, why? Then why does this have to be? And then it's almost like you're disappointing people that you didn't have the baby yesterday. I don't know. It was really weird. But she didn't have to feel too bad for long because she went into labor last week and she birthed the reincarnation of the queen. Malibu, Barbie. What are your thoughts on the name, Brittany? I love the name. I think Malibu is a beautiful name, first off, just generally. Barbie, also a beautiful name. The combination of the two. Nostalgia. It reminds me just of my youth. Sounds summery, pink, gorgeous, obsessed. I agree. I think she nailed it. 100%. People were like, that's so weird. But I've heard of like 10 weird baby names in Brooklyn like last week. Oh, absolutely. That are much worse than Malibu Barbie. Yeah. Stupid fucking names. If you're going <laughs> to go over the top, really go over the top. Don't give me a like a Lakin with two ends. Like give me Malibu Barbie. I would have been disappointed if her kid's name was like, I don't know, Stacy. Like we just, the names we just talked about. <laughs> she gave her child a basic name. I'd be really pissed. Just Chad. <laughs> Chad or Stacy. Yeah. The, the baby's also really cute. We got a pick right off the bat. Nobody had to like wait for it, which I was very grateful for. Trisha is such a, she calls herself a troll. She is a content creator, like through and through. Everything that she does in her life turns into content. And a lot of people were speculating whether that would be the case with the baby, which I I think it was fair to assume that it would be. But what I don't think anybody could have anticipated is that she would be making newborn ASMR just a few days after her daughter's birth in the hospital. Hey, ASMR channel. I'm in the hospital about to give birth to my first baby. (laughs) And this isn't a green screen. We are in a real life hospital. She did it in the hospital. I love that for all of them. I'm sure you've watched a lot of them. I haven't watched any of it. I've watched all of them. I can't watch them without crying. I mean, I think just because I'm pretty close to delivery and I'm just so happy for her because she's been talking for years about how badly she wanted to have a baby. And like, I don't know, people have been hating on her 
a lot. Like she's there was this NBC news story which we'll link to in the show notes about this subreddit that basically exists to just like shit on Trisha and call her a bad mom and like wish bad things for her and her baby. And it's just so awful. It's like it's so awful to me because this is who she is. Like she's a content creator. Of course, her baby is going to be content to some degree. Like that's the world that she has created for herself. And that is the world that we've created for her. Honestly, like she's got millions and millions of followers. There's an audience for this. Like this is not just her own pathology. People people eat this shit up. And I'm just really happy for her. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's beautiful. I'm very happy for her, too. And the baby. Yeah, it's so cute. Malibu Barbie. The best name. <laughs> so speaking of twists and turns in heterosexual culture, we have a really big one today in that it's, I don't know, maybe not a twist if you've ever seen any of his tattoos, I feel like. Like, if you've ever seen a picture of him shirtless, this is probably not the biggest twist. So Adam Levine, lead singer of Maroon 5, frequent judge on The Voice, allegedly cheated on his Victoria's Secret model wife, Bahati Prislu. And it came out today in a TikTok made by 23-year-old Instagram model and OnlyFans creator Sumner Stroh. That came out on Monday, revealing that she engaged in a year-long affair with Adam, who is 43 and has been married to Bahati since 2014. I'm just going to rip the band-aid off because I've retaken this like 10 times now. Essentially, I was having an affair with a man who's married to a Victoria's Secret model. At the time, you know, I was young, I was naive, and I mean, quite frankly, I feel exploited. I wasn't in the scene like I am now, um, so I was definitely very easily manipulated. Maroon 5 is practically elevator music at this point, so I'm sure you know who Adam Levine is. I never wanted to come forward because obviously I know the implications that come with doing what I do, making money the way I do, and being an Instagram model. I had sent some screenshots recklessly to a few friends I thought I trusted, and one of them had attempted to sell to a tabloid. Um, so here I am. Sumner claims that she felt manipulated due to their age difference and levels of fame because he is extremely famous and she's just beginning her career. And I'm not sure how to feel about that because honestly, I don't know, you're 23 years old, you're an Instagram model, you've got a giant following. Like, yes, there is a power dynamic, like imbalance there. But at the same time, I mean, you can't say that like when you're 23 years old that you're like manipulated into busting in on another man's marriage. Like, I don't have a lot of patience for that. Can't really tell when the affair was. She's not super specific about like started here and it starting ended there or whatever. Like a lot of the details, of course, like it's a three minute TikTok video. But I mean, it seems like it happened pretty recently. It seemed like it happened last year and she was already pretty famous on things by then. I mean, it's not like she this was just like a random guy. This wasn't like a Dirty John situation where he was like playing three women at once, like unbeknownst to them and had lied about like a whole separate life or re career or relationship. Like this is one of the most famous men on the planet. Like she knew what she was getting into. But Sumner did not just have a good story on her hand. She also had receipts. In the video, she has screenshots of messages from Adam Levine pointing out how hot she is, which, again, I don't want to show like an anti-Sumner bias here. I think she put those in on purpose, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> if we're being real, like, why are those the DMs that you would you know, post on TikTok? Like, I, that's a little bit of a pick-me behavior. But more to the point, after they break up, he re-entered her DMs to do... Probably the most fucked up thing I have ever seen. Let her know that him and his wife were considering her name for the child they were expecting at the time. And he followed up the most fuckboy message to have ever fuckboyed with a shrug emoji of all emojis. Of all emojis. Do we know for a fact this was after they broke up or was it still, still, were they, was the affair still going on at this point? She said they had, they were separated and that was the first contact he had made in months. <sighs> oh my god the audacity yeah the sheer audacity naming your child after your mistress is wacky truly insane it's beyond it's beyond wax the screenshot of this of his messages to her were taken june 1st of this year adam and bahati announced that they were expecting their third child earlier this month and sumner noted that she's largely sharing this now because she had sent the private messages to friends that she thought she could trust and one tried to sell the screenshots to a tabloid which is a shitty thing to do i don't know if i believe her I don't know why, because I'm biased. I'm biased against Sumner. I'm sorry. I have like anti-pretty people bias. <laughs> I don't know. It's been, it's been a long, it's been a long pregnancy. It's, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not feeling very hot right now and I'm angry at hot people. I think that's fine. I think it's fine to say that. That's perfectly, that's, that's okay. 
It's not looking like it'll be a good week for Adam Levine. Another woman named Allison Rose shared her DMs with him where he said, I shouldn't be talking to you. You know that, right? Before she attempts to shut him down. Completely misspelled. Like the entire DM and he corrects like one word. Brittany, as you said, you've seen him shirtless. Why would he need to know how to spell? True, true, true. <laughs> Why would he need to know how to do anything? I mean, for, for all of Adam Levine's faults, and he has many, he's A, an excellent singer, and B, a hot man. I mean, he barely knows how to write a song anymore, but that's beside the point. He just has his little gig on The Voice, or he bullies Blake Shelton, I guess, and that's it. She also says that there are more inappropriate messages from the singer that she can't share. Um, I have a lot more that was said that was, like, not appropriate. Um, I just didn't feel comfortable posting everything, and I never even wanted to post any of this. So, you know, just, I guess, if any other girls have experienced this with him, which sure they have i just think they should post it because i feel really bad for his wife and nobody deserves it so for guys like adam who are notoriously hot but have ugly tattoos punchable faces and bands that were once great but eventually ruined by their own desire to gain more wealth and credibility i think that's an accurate description Brittany. i did not write that Brittany. thank you thank you <laughs> i have some I thoughts as a songs about jane stan i've been really disappointed in the trajectory of maroon fives career i don't really understand what happened to them money money just money they only make music that's really for commercials or like it's not very good like their music's not good anymore and it used to be very good i remember hearing harder to breathe on my west virginia canoe trip in eighth grade in the spring and i it was like i like i i mean just for like frame of reference like there's no other song that i remember the context in which i heard it for the first time like as clearly it was like hearing the white album for me (laughs) i was like wow that's a great fucking song i spent the entire summer listening to songs about jane and reading the entire princess diaries book series and it was a very good summer i must say it was a great, great Are there album. other guys in Maroon 5? Who are the other people of Maroon 5? There are. Obviously, they all are kind of, it's like Adam Levine and the other guys. Are they as hot or approaching as hot? I mean, if we don't know their names. It, it would be hard. I mean, do you think Adam Levine is especially hot? I don't think he's like the hottest there's ever been. He's like average hot. He's like, I think it's different if you went to like a Judaism centric camp or like youth group as a child. <laughs> Because he looks like the hottest kid in Jew camp who, like, broke bad. Okay. That's his thing. And I think that's why he's, like, resonated. He's fine. Listen, he's hot enough that he thinks he can get away with this. And he's right. He did. He did for a year. He didn't anymore. One folded and the rest are coming just, it's like dominoes. We're about to see a lot of DMs. I mean, I'm not surprised. Of course he's cheating on his wife. Yeah, like, I mean, there's no looking at that man's face and being like, that's a loyal husband, Adam (laughs) Levine. That is a a loyal husband and father, Adam Levine. There's no way. That's a man who unloads the dishwasher. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's a man who is able to provide emotional support to any woman he's with. No way. No way. Never. You can't look at that. You can't look at that man and be like, that's a loving, caring partner. But we'll never know because as of the time we're recording, neither Adam nor Bahati have sent have put out statements. So and I don't know if they're going to. I don't really think I think that he probably thinks that this is just going to blow over. And we did reach out, by the way, for a statement, but we also have not heard specifically from them. So I'm sure they're waiting to not see this again. Has he been on the cover? Yeah. I mean, Maroon 5 is a big band. There's a famous yeah, cover. But- that we did with the it's not famous it's famous to me that was the voice cover and it was like him and christina aguilera and blake shelton who wrote it i don't know before my time (laughs) maybe if we offer him a cover he'll speak about this i don't think we should put him on the cover again i don't think we need that i don't either but it would be it would be funny to like throw it out there as bait we should catfish adam levine into believing he's gaining another cover yeah exactly exactly that's exactly what i'm saying i wonder if it was our cover that he did where there's like there's one image of him where it's like him shirtless and there's a bunch of like like female hands like all over him. I'm gonna look it up. I think it was ours. Maybe it wasn't. I do see the voice cover though. Oh, he's been on the cover many times. Maroon 5 is big. Well, at one point, he was on the cover with the other Maroon 5s. And yeah, you're right. They're not nearly as hot. It's not even close. One of them is like approaching like incrementally. Oh, uh, it wasn't a cover. It was the Moves Like Jagger video. That's why I got confused. Also a great song, by the way. He's really put out some bops. It inspired my favorite tweet, which is Christina Aguilera was at her lowest, fat, nasty, broke, mad as hell. She came on this bitch mad as hell. She's great on it. Great. She's. I have a the one dance that I've ever choreographed in my life is to moves like Jagger with my best friend. I'll show it to you next time. I would love to see it. When you test negative, it's excellent. I would love to learn it. It's very easy to learn. <laughs> <laughs> 
It won't be hard for you to learn it. We break it out of bars all the time. By the way, have you seen that Mormon, the TikTok video that's going viral of the Mormon wedding dance? I'll send it to you. I want to, I'm, I'm dying to learn it. Is it to Moves Like Jagger? No, it has nothing to do with Moves Like Jagger. That's unfortunate. <laughs> on Tuesday, Adam released a statement on Instagram. He wrote, a lot is being said about me right now and I want to clear the air. I use poor judgment in speaking with anyone other than my wife in any kind of flirtatious manner. He denied having an affair with Sumner, but he did say that he, quote unquote, crossed the line during a regrettable period in my life. He also addressed the impact this had been having on his wife and family, saying, my wife and my family is all I care about in this world. To be this naive and stupid enough to risk the only thing that truly matters to me was the greatest mistake I could ever make. But there are already more Instagram hotties coming out of the woodwork with more flirty DMs and they've got the screenshots. So it feels like we're going to get a lot more info over what Adam has been up to over the next few days. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Speaking of himbos, we have an extremely special guest today. After we talked about our new favorite song, All the Things I Hate About You, a few episodes back, Huddy's team reached out to see if we wanted to interview him, and thankfully, he was down to stop by our pod. So if you're new here and have no idea who Huddy or that song is, here's a recap. Huddy is a young TikTok star turned pop punk singer. He got his start early on TikTok with the infamous hip hype house before launching his music career. This summer, he released the insanely catchy All the Things I Hate About You, a chef's kiss of a bratty diss against his ex, Charlie D'Amelio, who is now dating his ex-best friend, Landon Barker, yes, the son of Travis, who coincidentally produced Huddy's debut album. So Huddy joins us today to discuss his song, Blowing Up on TikTok, how he feels about the app now that he's a musician, and his upcoming set at the first ever festival, the Emo Playground, when we were young. So what's it been like to see all the things I hate about you blow up? And were you kind of surprised at the attention that I got? It's been wonderful. I really love that it's sort of translating with a lot of people. A lot of people have been able to find their own relatability to it. What's the most surprising reaction you've gotten to the song? The most surprising reaction has probably been, there's been a bunch of like little kids that have been posted by their mom on TikTok that have been singing the song. I feel like that's the most surprising thing for me is when you see kids sort of getting in on your music. I think that's really like strange to me. Can you tell us about the process of writing the song and how it came about? Yeah. So when I wrote the song, it came about early June. I had gotten in a session with two people I had never done a session with before. And I told them this concept I had for a song called All the Things I Hate About You. And we went in and we just did it and took us that first day. And then we came in back a second day after never doing a session before we booked another session the day after. And then we finished the song. It was just such a fast process. I've never had a song move this quickly. Have the subject or subjects of the song said anything to you about it? No, not yet. I've been sort of like isolated recently through all the process. I've been on tour and I've been like working a lot. I've been home and I haven't really talked to anyone since the start of the summer, really. EJ and I have had the song stuck in our heads for months now and we were wondering if you can explain to our audience what the term homie hopper means like i feel like we've had to explain it to people <laughs> millennials especially yeah <laughs> well most me millennials i thought the younger generation wouldn't be able to yeah homie hopper is just like i guess in definition person that hops from one friend to another. Is this a gender neutral term? Yeah, absolutely. You of course first gained recognition through TikTok, I mean, since your music career has launched, has that made you feel differently about TikTok? I still love TikTok. I, it has a special place in my heart, but I've really found like a newfound love for music and all that it entitles and sort of exploring the world. That's a big commitment. And so I've been spending 
like even like the whole year just pretty much just staying in the studio it's such like a creative world it feels like you're painting your own video game in a sense like your creative levels really have no limits in a studio so it's fun to really experiment see what comes about what's on your for you page right now honestly i'll be honest probably like 75 percent of it is artists that's all i artists live performances i see their new music i see edits of them i see pictures of them that's mostly what's on my for you page and then a lot of like dumb jokes like a lot of like stupid humor is there any specific artist that your for you page has really been feeding to you a lot or any specific you talked about like dumb jokes and memes like any specific trend that's been making me laugh lately the one artist that's like taken over my for you page probably boy cardi that's you can't escape him he's too good and like every time he does a live performance you'll see that in a hundred different places every time he goes to a fashion show i see that everywhere just that kind of stuff a lot of like fashion inspo stuff from like my favorite artists as well and then like for like funny stuff one of my favorite people in the apps one of my friends carrington he's pretty fucking funny and i know next month you have a big gig with the when we were young festival and that being your first festival are you excited are you nervous like what are you looking forward to most with playing that fest well i just got off my first tour on saturday and so i feel like that to me for what to expect at my first festival. I feel like if I just went straight into my first festival, it might be a little bit more nerve-wracking, but I feel like I'm well-prepared for it now. I'm ready to take it head on. I'm really excited for it. What surprised you most about being on the road for the first time? I think the one thing that surprised me the most is probably the lack of sleep. I thought that because you're performing for such like a small portion of the day that it wouldn't take too much of your day, but it really takes your whole day up. Like even like loading in, setting up, setting up merch booths, getting your voice ready, doing all these other things that, that lead up to the show is a lot. And then after that, usually we'd leave town right away. Like right after the show, we go to the next city. It was just such a fast paced thing that I had no idea. I'd get like used to so easily. It was very tiring. I feel like when we first started following you, you were still Lil Huddy, mm -hmm. maybe like two years ago. I don't know. But can you tell us a little bit about the thought process? Like what, like how did you decide to drop the Lil from your stage name? There wasn't too much thought into it. There was a thought that I was getting older and that I was sort of transcending into the music world a little bit. And to feel like I'd be taken more seriously, I thought that I it was like a time to drop Lil from my name just so I could be seen as a different side of what people have seen of me so far. Like some people know me as Lil Huddy, but I want them to know me now as Huddy the Artist. And I'm trying to make that transition really easy for everybody. And what else is coming up for you? What else are you looking forward to for the rest of the year? Shit. So I'm really looking forward to when we're young. I mean, really looking forward to these next like singles. I've been working on some stuff before I went on tour and I'm starting to work on some new material right now. So I'm just, I'm really excited to, to keep on putting out more music and I might be going to a few fashion weeks. You mentioned that you dropped the Lil from your stage name to sort of like show this other side of you. Like what's the side of you that people haven't seen yet? I don't think people have seen the real, raw, realist version of myself. And I think that people will get that from the music. So I thought by taking Lil out of my name, you'd understand that I was a little bit more of an adult and that I was ready to show the world who I am and like not take any realness out of it. Like I want to be a hundred percent authentic me in every capacity when it comes to my music. And so that's how I want to treat it. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you guys. I had fun. Thanks so much. The answers can be found in the MTV video games. Welcome to Moral Panic, our segment where we discuss the myriad ways in which conservatives are peeing in their diapers for no reason. This week, we have a claim that people in Idaho are teaching eight-year-olds about porn, which I don't know if you've ever been to Idaho, but that seems like a rather unlikely location. Like, I don't even know if they allow porn in Idaho unless you count Pinterest photos of illusion neckline wedding gowns or something I like that. I don't think people in Idaho have heard of porn. Yeah, I don't I don't think they have any frame of reference for what porn is. I, I think they sit around and watch All in the Family on their Roku. And that's what I'm just going to assume Idahoans do. I feel like every time someone says porn, they're like, oh, you mean corn? <laughs> That's what happens in Idaho. So this claim started circulating last week when the education director for the Idaho Freedom Foundation, which is a right wing think tank that I looked it up, perhaps best known for being opposed to restrictions on how long people should sit in tanning beds. I think that's a very reasonable thing to impose restrictions on. But the Idaho Freedom Foundation disagrees, although I've never actually sat in a tanning bed. But the tanning bed is a very central point of the plot in the Diane Keaton 
body swap comedy Mac and Rita, which I recently watched for the first time. I've never even fuck. I've never heard of that movie. What it's is a that? Brand new film just came out. It's one of the worst films I've ever seen in my entire life. The body swap takes place because there's a magical tanning bed that's run by my boyfriend Simon Rex. Simon Rex is in it. Who else is in it? Who does she body swap with? Have you seen the show You? Yeah, obviously. Okay, the first season of You, the girl from the first season that he's obsessed with. Her. her? She's awful in it. She's one of the worst actors I've ever seen in my entire life. Elizabeth Lale? Yeah. They cast Elizabeth Lale in well, something that requires... I don't know how requires... you knew her name, but... Because I love you. <laughs> I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with you. No one. The boyfriend from Schitt's Creek, the dentist or veterinarian, whatever he is. Alexis's boyfriend from Yeah, Schitt's yeah. Creek. Dustin Milligan. <laughs> yeah. Why do you know their names? <laughs> because I famously spend too much time on IMDb instead of actually watching movies. I famously go on my phone and look up what uh, people were in for no reason. You would love Mac and Rita then. <laughs> you know the entire cast. <laughs> I mean, it, it sounds like I would love Mac and Rita. It sounds like they tried their hardest to cast the most aggressively mid-white people in Hollywood. Yeah. And with Diane Keaton. <laughs> what streaming platform is it on? I don't know. Amazon Prime, I think. My friend and I watch it on. So it's widely available available to the public? I think so. It's oh, one of the man, worst things should... I've ever watched. I just, I, my COVID infected throat needed to say this because I haven't talked about it. So I watched it right before I got COVID. I probably got COVID from Mac and Rita. <laughs> we should have the screenwriter on. <laughs> yeah. I think there's like three men wrote the film or something. I don't know. Three men wrote a body swap comedy featuring a tanning bed and Diane Keaton and the most boring actor on you. Two people wrote the script, a man and a woman. A man and a woman. Okay. I guess that's slightly better. But the claim was, so basically the Idaho Freedom Foundation, which is best known for being opposed to how long people should sit in tanning beds, a major plot point in the Amazon Prime movie, Mac and Rita, posted a tweet. So this was a specific claim. The claim was that the Idaho Department of Health and Welfare funds this organization with the very banal name of Education, Training, and Research. And there was this article published that claims that its curriculum involves instruction on kink and power, pleasure, sexual identity, sexual acts, and sexual exploration in relation to pornography. And to bolster this point, the tweet included footage from what appears to be a Zoom meeting about this nefarious plot to spread kink and power and pleasure and sexual identity to the pre-adolescent Idahoan masses. And please, please note the dramatic music playing underneath. When I have normalized watching porn and being curious, Students are a lot more engaged in the conversation, but they're also building trust with me. It's okay if they have watched porn, and it's okay if they have thought about porn. I always make sure to say someone being curious about sex and or porn does not make them a bad person. It makes them human. The video also claims that the ETR website teaches students to hide their browser history from their parents so they don't see their porn use, which honestly would have been such amazing advice to me when I was 13. Not with porn use, but which is just like all the weird shit that I did online, like like downloading like Neopets skins. Yeah. The day I learned about incognito mode was the day that my life changed. Yeah. This would be a great thing to teach in schools, but Idaho Freedom Foundation is not happy with it because apparently kids could be Googling how to like write legislation for tanning beds or something. And parents should know about that. But and inspire it Mac the, and Rita too. Is one of the plot. <laughs> sorry. I don't want to get us back on Mac and Rita, but is what is the plot point? Is it, is it specifically that they're spending too long in the tanning bed? Like does the no, duration it's just a of ma- the, no, it's a magical tanning bed. I don't know how much more specific I can get. So the one ma- person goes into the tanning mag- bed. Yeah, Elizabeth Lale goes into the tanning bed and she wishes no- she wishes nothing more than to be an elderly woman. That's her greatest life's wish. <laughs> I'm not making this up, too. This is a real plot. <laughs> so you have to make a wish inside the tanning bed. Wish to be the truest form of herself, which is Diane Keaton. Why does she want to be the truest form? Okay, I ha- I'll watch the movie, I guess. <laughs> I'll just watch the movie tonight. But Apparently okay. the only thing I can say... <laughs> is the plot of Mac and Rita without coughing. <laughs> the only thing so, that's, so you didn't even have to sit in the tanning bed. The plot of Mac and Rita turned you into your truest form. It granted your wish. Thanks, Simon Rex and Diane Keaton. So this was obviously catnip, this, this claim, to people like Christopher Rufo, who we've talked about before. He invented the panic over critical race theory. And also Haya Rachik, who is the creator of Libs of TikTok, which we talk about almost every week. It was also in the news last week for basically having single-handedly incited calls to violence against the Boston Children's Hospital. 
um, because they provide gender confirmation surgery to teenagers. They basically took these claims even further by claiming that not only does this organization teach teenagers porn literacy, it also teaches children as young as eight. And that claim made it all the way to Laura Ingram, who regurgitated it on Fox News. So over the years, right under parents' noses, these deviant organizations burrowed into our culture and into our schools. They vacuum up multi-million dollar contracts to flood our schools with the values that are directly at odds with what most parents are teaching their children at home. Personally, I do not think that these are values that are at odds with what I plan to teach my kids at home about porn. I came of age with the internet, as did you, Brittany. So I was, we were probably like members of probably the first generation where online porn was kind of omnipresent. And I remember the very first time I saw it, I was nine or 10, I accidentally downloaded it as part of a wallpaper package for my Sims. I downloaded like this wallpaper skin for my Sims and someone put in a photo of a man performing cunnilingus on a lady. And I proceeded to decorate the entire exterior of my Sims house with it until my sister saw it and was like, why? (laughs) (laughs) Why is this your Sims house? When was the first time you saw porn? I don't know. I mean, I don't think I like actively search for porn as a kid because I went to Catholic school. So it terrified me. I was like, this is clearly one of the most sinful things I could ever look up. But I watched a lot of like adult movies. Like I was able to watch a lot of like, like movies that like had sex scenes in them as a kid. So I feel like that may be counted. But like R yeah. R rated movies. Yeah. I feel like probably Two Girls, One Cup. That's probably the first time I ever saw porn. How old were you? You were like 16 when that came out? When that came out, when that was released in theaters. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that was like the first time I saw something that was like meant to be porn, right? Like that was meant to be porn. I mean, it wasn't sexy, but like, I feel like that's the first time I saw something that was like, oh, that's extremely explicit. And there are probably people who like, like I don't know. I feel like, yeah, that was probably the first time. I, know, I was like deeply repressed as a child. Was that like your understanding of what porn was? Two girls, you thought every porn was two girls, one cup? Yeah. Does it count that we would on like chat? roulette and asked random men to, to show us their their penises or no I don't yeah know. i think that counts i mean I, I wasn't actively seeking it either which is kind of proves my point like i don't think i actively saw porn online until like college and even then it was like oh we want to download like who's nailing palin on our file sharing service because i'm old but i was pretty sheltered i wasn't seeking it out and i saw it when i when i was like nine or ten just by like playing the sims and that's actually around the age that studies say most kids are first exposed to it though i'd venture to guess that like actually in 2022 that number is getting lower than lower and lower like i've heard about kids as young as five or six yeah getting seeing it I, well, uh, yeah, I think the first time I ever saw porn was not on the internet, actually. It's very old school. It was like a playboy that was at my friend's house that belonged to his older brother. Who was on the cover, do you remember? I have no idea. Isn't it weird that people, like old people especially, would just leave, like my grandpa used to just like leave penthouses next to the toilet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, it was like- um, Show your whole ass. My friend's you? older brother had gotten it or something, for, I think from like a family member and like had like a stack of them. And my friend was like so scandalized. He would later be gay. But like he was just <laughs> as like, a result. <laughs> no, he was like he later come out and he was just like so mortified that his brother had this. And I was like, I was like, okay. <laughs> there are a lot of like really harmful things about mainstream pornography that like I would rather not have been exposed to that I would like prefer for children and my children like not to be exposed to like about body image, about violence against women, about consent. And there's a lot of evidence that this can be harmful to young men, especially like I, I'm not a porn like evangel. I don't think that the industry is perfect by any means or that porn is I, I think porn is a terrible tool to teach human sexuality and relationships. It really har- it can really do a lot of harm to people. And I think programs like this, if they were done for kids at an appropriate age, that would be awesome. Like we've talked about how bad sex ed was for us like growing up. And I think like considering most kids learn about sex now through porn, like a porn literacy, it makes a lot of sense to to adopt something like this. But as it turns out, like all the claims that the right made about this program were wrong. The Idaho Department for Health and Welfare released a statement that was basically like, this is just this is all wrong. It has an optional sex ed curriculum called Reducing the Risk, 
for Idaho schools, but it doesn't talk about porn literacy and it doesn't work with Planned Parenthood, which is something that Ingram also claimed, because if you throw Planned Parenthood into any discussion of anything at Fox News, then you're automatically just going to rile up the boomers. But most importantly, the claim that it was geared at eight year olds was just like totally false. It's this program that is, again, optional, is targeted at high school students aged 14 to 18, which I think is a very reasonable age for this type of program, personally. Yeah, like, I mean, I well think pa- normalize having these conversations. Yeah, exactly. So funny that it just, like, so many conservatives have not yet learned that the more that you hide these things from kids, the more they seek it out themselves and then don't have the information. They categorize it as sexualizing children, which I don't know how it's sexualizing Children who, again, we're talking about 14 to 18 year olds, like people who kids who are already developing a sexuality and like don't know how to deal with it. And like you're going to grow up and and just wait for them to stumble on two girls, one cup and assume and like have them assume that that's what porn should be or that's what sex should be like. Like, (laughs) I don't know. What happened to me? Now I'm a person who can recite the entire Mac and Rita plot by heart. (laughs) 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 Let that be a lesson. I think these people could benefit from a porn literacy class. And I think they could also benefit from an actual literacy class because they just accepted all of these lies as fact and didn't actually do any research into any of the claims. They should take it with Leah Michelle. Now it's time for Himbo of the Week, the segment where we celebrate our favorite head empty hotties on the internet. Regular listeners to this podcast may know, I don't know, I don't know if this is like surprising to anybody listening to this or to you, Brittany. Like I'm not a very positive person. Like optimism is I would have <laughs> never seen that and known that about you. If I you think you're a little bit right more <laughs> <laughs> I think you're a little bit more of an optimist, like at heart. But we've both been called haters. Like our reviewers have called us haters. I mean, I think it's an important aspect of being alive to have a little hater energy to drink hater if you're online you have to be a hater if you spend any amount of time on any social media platform you have to have some hater energy burning in your heart to keep you on that platform one person who does not have any hater energy in his heart is george japan aka takuya george meta who is a famous youtuber in japan who's currently on a world tour to meet his fans and he decided to stop in wisconsin wisconsin is so underrated i'm from japan but i like wisconsin i'll tell you why beautiful nature peaceful and calm neighborhood the most popular fast food chain in wisconsin culver's you should get a butter burger it's better than mcdonald's and also wisconsin fried cheese curds i'm loving it beautiful lakes i have something to add about this in that my friend realized after this video went viral that she sat next to him at benihana in new york okay okay hold on sorry i need to process this why was he at benihana he's from japan he went to benihana why would he go to benihana he's from japan he was so mesmerized by everything that he saw there and loved it wait really yeah. Okay, so tell tell me what your friend said about him. Tell me what your friend said about this Benny Hanex. She just like she just was like she saw the video and she's like, "Wait, we were sitting next to him and he was so like enchanted by everything and like she had a photo of the like shrimp being flipped into his mouth." Oh my god, he loved the shrimp in the pocket trick? Yeah. Who doesn't love the shrimp trick? I love the shrimp trick. Who's not? I love the onion volcano. I love the beating egg heart. There's nothing I don't love about Benihana. We used to go there every New Year's and get massively drunk and scream at the table. Yeah. Who doesn't love it? I really miss it. It It's a perfect place. Perfect place. I didn't realize that he was like this earnest. Like, so I have to say, like, when I watched this video, I thought he was trolling because I thought nobody could possibly like Wisconsin this much. So I had to ask you. I wrote your full Christian name, Brittany Elizabeth Spanos. That is not my name. That's not my middle name, but thank you for trying. It's actually a pretty good guess. I think Elizabeth is a very good guess for most people's middle names. Yeah, yeah. What is your middle name? It's Leanne. Brittany Leanne Spanos. It's a very country middle name. <laughs> well, I had to ask you whether what he was saying about Wisconsin was correct. And yeah. what did you tell me? I love Wisconsin. That's where everyone's like <laughs> summer homes were. Like all like the slightly wealthier people in my schools, they all had families with summer homes in Wisconsin. They go to the lake. I find people in Chicago have strong opinions about Wisconsin. And the cheese curds there it's not overrated like a lot of foods and i feel like a lot of like foods in different places are overrated but this is a very good regional food and what about culver's how is culver's culver's is the best fast food restaurant america 
I believe. A lot of people spend a lot of time talking about In-N-Out, Shake Shack. They're all dumb. It's Culver's. What is the butter burger? It's just like a very buttery burger and there's fried cheese curds. I miss Culver's a lot. Frozen custard they have there, which is like the best thing in the entire world. If you ever had like frozen custard in your life, it's delicious. It's perfectly creamy. So you don't think this is performative? You think he truly loves Wisconsin this much? I think he discovered what heaven tastes like and it's Culver's and I'm <laughs> happy for him and I think more people should experience that. Now I want to ask him if he like Benihana's better than Culver's. <laughs> I'm There's really no way. he needed to make a video about Benihana like I cannot believe he went to Benihana but I mean he's made videos about like he went to Chicago he loved it he went to Shake Shack in New York he loved it he went to Disney World he loved it he's just so relentlessly positive about everything he even went to Times Square which I consider the gaping asshole of the universe and he found something positive to say about it first impression of Times Square no bathroom no bathroom no bathroom so crowded smells like weed a beautiful place to visit. Yeah, he's great. I love him. He's amazing. His approach to life inspires me. And I'm considering booking a vacation to Wisconsin as a result of that one video. Go to the Dells. Bring the kids. Go to Wisconsin Dells. Dells. Wisconsin Dells. Dells. You don't know what the Wisconsin Dells are? Yeah, I didn't research. I just looked up Culver's and I looked up the State Fair. It's like a very famous water park. Wisconsin Dells. That's a famous water park? Where is it? It's in Wisconsin. It's the Wisconsin Dells. If you keep saying Wisconsin Dells, that's not going to give me any more detail. Okay, let's look at this. Go to Wisconsin Dells. It's on the side of a glacier? Yeah, sure. Why not? I have not been since I was a kid because I can't swim, but like people love it. Oh my God, this looks amazing. Yeah, go to Wisconsin Dells. Go rent out a lake house for a little bit. It's a little water park situation. They have a Mount Olympus themed theme park? Yeah, it's huge. Oh, my God. Okay. Go to Wisconsin Dells. Go get Culver's. Go get also like regular cheese curds. Go get like the non-fried kind. I am very grateful to George and to you for introducing me to the joys of Wisconsin. The last time I was I visited Wisconsin was a few years back. And I came home with like a pound of cheese curds that I was passing out like little like party favors and like tiny bags to people for the next like week. Like I traveled home with a pound of cheese curds in my in my suitcase. And it was the best Do, thing. Which, which city, which I don't even like, which city would you go to in Wisconsin? Like Madison? You fly into Madison? Like, where do you go? Madison's kind of like a college town. I mean, kind of, I don't know the names of the towns where like the lakes are, but you have to basically just go to lakes. Do you go to Fond du Lac? Is that in Wisconsin? I don't know. <laughs> just, you should probably just go to the Dells. Okay, I'll go to the Dells. My husband does not do water parks, so that's going to be problematic. You and Saul can have a little day. Your husband can watch the baby and then go get, eat some fried cheese curds. Thank you for planning my next trip. <laughs> I'm your Midwestern travel Brittany agent. and George. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. You were scrolling for way too long now. Maybe you should get some food, get some water, and then come back later. Thanks so much for listening to Don't Let This Flop. Please share this podcast with someone you love or someone you hate. Either way, we don't care which one. This podcast is brought to you by Rolling Stone and Cumulus Podcast Network, written and hosted by me, Brittany Spanos, and EJ Dixon. Executive produced by Jason Fine, Bridget Chelsea, and Elizabeth Garber-Paul, and produced by Jesse Cannon with music by Brian Tomeglio. 